is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. Live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. A good karma brand's radio station. Now, back to more Black and Abdallah. On a Monday night here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Adam Abdallah has the night off. Chris Black with you here until 8 o'clock this evening. We're talking Bears football with you here on ESPN 1000 at 312-332-3776. The Jets beat the Bears yesterday 31-10. Justin Fields did not play. Do you care? I mean, do you care if he plays? I think you obviously care. But when I say do you care, do you care about the result? of the Jets beating the Bears 31-10 to yesterday. I mean, I, I watched the game. I don't know if there's anything we can pull from it, uh, except possibly uh, the take that there are more injuries, obviously, Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson, uh, players going down, and then it, having, a, having a situation where this roster is not deep enough to, to handle uh, injuries, and especially to your best player, uh, Justin Fields, who leading up to the game, they were seeing whether or not he could play until Sunday morning to give it a go, and then he says he can't go. All right, so then you fast forward to this week. Bears-Packers week. It's a, it's a huge week in this city. We love talking about this epic rivalry in NFL history. If neither team has their starting quarterback, though, it definitely changes the outlook of how we view this rivalry. And, and in this season specifically, both teams are bad. Like, let's not... Let's not ignore what's going on to the North. The Packers are 4-8. Watched the game last night. The Eagles beat them 40-33. Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. He's got the thumb thing he's dealing with. He has possibly an oblique situation. He goes 11 of 16 uh, pass attempts, 140 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. This Packers offense has been bad throughout this season. And it's kind of surprising that entering this week, if Justin Fields is healthy, the Bears have the better offense. Like, think about that. Bears fans, when have you ever been able to say that against a Green Bay Packer team that currently has Aaron Rodgers, who had Brett Favre in the past, where the Bears could enter a game where you say, hey, the Bears actually have the advantage on offense because this offense can put up points, and you may have an advantage to win the football game because with a healthy Justin Fields, you have a team that runs the football so well, one of the best in all of football, taking on a team that last night just gave up almost 400 yards of rushing to the Eagles. The Eagles gave up 363 yards on the ground. Jalen Hurts ran the football 17 times for 157 yards. Miles Sanders, 143 yards on 21 carries. So the Eagles did it on the ground. As a Bears fan, I see I'm watching the game last night, and I'm like, hold up, the Bears could totally win this game. But then you flip back to this idea that we, we look at the Jets and the Bears from last night or yesterday and you say, well, the Jets won 31 to 10. It didn't really matter. It didn't factor because Justin Fields didn't play. And I agree with you. It does not matter. If the quarterback is not playing, it really removes all of the, the ideas and the concepts for trying to build anything for the future. If your star quarterback is not there, you're not accomplishing anything. I mean, that, that's what it is. That's the sad reality is if Justin Fields is not playing, 
there really is no reason to pay attention to this team. It's a bunch of backups. It's a defensive-minded head coach that has a terrible defense. And you have skill position players who sometimes don't even know where they're at on the field. Uh, Discombobulated, lack of communication, Pettis out of position, uh, backup quarterback trying to get everyone in the right spot. You knew yesterday once the game got into the second quarter that 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 was about it. One nice touchdown pass to Pringle. It was nice to see Pringle do something positive here in this season for the Bears. But outside of that, the second half, it was obvious that the team wasn't going to be able to move the football. Mike White was good in a backup role for the Jets. He's now the starter for that team. And, And I think as this team moves forward, their defense, their run game, and White not making mistakes is really going to allow the Jets to make a playoff run here. Three touchdowns, 350 yards, really nice game for for the quarterback getting in there, and you didn't see the mistakes that you saw from Zach Wilson. And that's why coming into yesterday, I thought it was an interesting matchup because Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, same draft class. Zach Wilson, I thought, was drafted way above where he should have been. At BYU, I thought he was talented, but remember back to that draft class. A lot of people loved the way Zach Wilson looked in shorts and a t-shirt. Remember that? It was the BYU Pro Day where he hurls the football like 50 yards on a dime. And people were like, wow, look at that. Well, look at that throw. Viral clip. Here it is. Here's your next star quarterback. He threw a route with no one defending him. And no one defending the, the wide receiver either. Just by himself in a field house. And people thought he was the real deal. Meanwhile, Justin Fields is in the college football playoff, getting his brains beat in, bouncing back against Clemson, scoring touchdowns, making plays, looking like the real deal, yet teams went in other directions. Hey, I think Bears fans are happy for it. But I do recall at that time, I thought Justin Fields is the better player. I also thought in that college football season, it was, a, it was okay to be a little skeptical of Zach Wilson because the way BYU schedule was kind of laid out was it was a bunch of games where they were big time favorites. And so he looked really good. The, t- the team looked good. He was able to pad stats. And then they go on the road at Coastal Carolina, a tough defensive nose minded team. And that team took out Zach Wilson. He played bad. I get it was one game, but I thought that that was a larger statement to the hype that was behind Zach Wilson, the player. And the Jets picked him. So there you go. The, the Jets are starting now. Their backup, who's now going to be the starter, they win the football game 31-10. to 10, And the Jets are now 7-4 and four on the season. The Bears are 3-9. and nine. And the one thing that I kind of look at, if you want to join the conversation, talk Bears football tonight on a Monday night, Blocking Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app, you can call me at 312-332-3776. Let me ask you this question. Can the defense improve can this bad defense improve the bears hired a defensive-minded coach matt eberflus and in a part of my skepticism when the bears made this hire were a couple of things one the bears were the only team that went out and hired a defensive-minded head coach from outside the organization in this last hiring cycle uh the saints elevated Dennis Allen from within, he's a defensive coordinator, gets the head job. The Saints are terrible, but he was a defensive guy. They didn't go outside the organization. 
And the Buccaneers elevated Todd Bowles, who was in the organization, to be the head coach where uh, Bruce Arians stepped away. He retired. Outside of that, the Bears are the only team that went outside the organization and took a defensive-minded guy. Now, with doing so, usually the defensive coordinators that get gigs are the defensive coordinators for, like, the Super Bowl-winning defense, that great defense in years past, right? The problem is, I remember when we were talking about this back when Eberflus was hired, the, the Colts were, like, around top 10. They were never the best defense in the last couple of years under Eberflus. And so I was always, like, a little skeptical because usually that hot name defensive coordinator is a guy who's leading, like, that Baltimore defense with Ray Lewis or Vic Fangio, right? Like, Vic Fangio had tons of great defenses around the league before getting that opportunity to be a head coach. And Eberflus is a nice coach. He had some nice defenses that he he coordinated, but did he have top 10, top 5 situations winning a Super Bowl? No, he didn't have that. So so those are the two things. With, with Matt Eberflus getting this job with the Chicago Bears. Now, I'm watching the game yesterday, and Robert Sala, defensive-minded head coach, comes from the 49ers to the Jets. He's in year two. And now, as I'm sitting there watching the game, questioning whether or not this defense can get better, and obviously, cap space, draft picks, there's a lot of heavy lifting to do in this offseason for Ryan Poles. But I, I started to think to myself, you know, how were the Jets last year defensively? And last year defensively, the Jets were 29th in defensive yards per play. They finished the season 4-13. and 13. Robert Sala was a known commodity with the 49ers. Very good defense, gets a job with the Jets. And in his first year with the Jets, 29th defensively in defensive yards per play. Matt Eberflus, defensive minded head coach. Right now, the Bears have one of the worst defenses in the league. Injuries, lack of players because of uh, trading away Roquan and Robert Quinn. So Sala, year one, bad. Year two, the Jets are now the third best team in defensive yards per play. The Jets are seven and four. Here's the difference. The, the Bears have a quarterback. The Jets, even though Mike White was good yesterday, they don't have a quarterback for the future. Now, if Iberflus can do what Sala has done in just one year's time and improve the defense from bottom of the barrel to something that's comparable, top five, and like the Jets are, top three in defensive yards per play, then I think any concern we had with Matt Iberflus being hired as a defensive-minded guy goes out the window. Because like I've said on this show, you also have to give Eberflus credit for the success of the offense. He's a CEO t- style of head coach. And if the offense is doing well, you also have to give some of that credit to the, the defensive-minded head coach. Because he's the one overseeing the operation. And give credit to Luke Getze. But Eberflus is in on the conversations, the development, the process offensively. But the concern to me is the defense. And it's been bad. The Bears defense has been terrible to this point this season. Chris Black talking Bears with you here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Hopefully, Iberflus can change things in the offseason. And obviously, draft picks, uh, cap space will have a lot to do with the Bears' success defensively next season. I want to ask you this coming up next. What are your three biggest needs for this team in the offseason? Is it a wide receiver, left tackle, 
defensive edge rush, defensive tackle, cornerback. Do we have to go get a kicker again? I what what do you want? What are the top three moves that you need the Bears to make this offseason? Top three positions you want the Bears to target. I'll take your calls at 312-332-3776. Black and Abdallah, weeknight, 6 day, right here on ESPN 1000. Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. And now on Digital FM at 100.3 HD2. The game yesterday was no good. Jets beat the Bears 31-10. If I ask you the question, you're watching the game. What are the Bears' three biggest needs in this offseason? You know, think back. The things that the Bears are missing to be on a competitive level, to win a Super Bowl, to make the playoffs. Look at all their teams that you're comparing the Bears to and what they need for the future. Top three things. Here's the way that I see it. Top three things the Bears need in this offseason. Number one a stud wide receiver. I think when you look around the teams who have the best offenses and the best teams in football, you have the young quarterback or a a veteran proven quarterback, and they are paired with top level wide receivers all over the place. And you can look at the top teams and really make a case for those top teams being the way to kind of get it done. You know, if you look at championship level teams in the NFL, I count like eight right now. And that could change by the time we get to the end of the season. But I think right now we could agree Kansas City, Buffalo. I put Miami, Cincinnati from the AFC in that combo. From the NFC, I go Philadelphia, Dallas, San Francisco, and Minnesota. Now, San Francisco and Minnesota, eh, a little shaky compared to some of the others. And I would say the same with, with maybe Miami and the AFC. But out of those teams, I I give you eight teams, seven teams have a number one bona fide wide receiver. The only team that doesn't is Kansas City. They used to have one, but they have the best quarterback in football, and they have have some good wide receivers that he can make, make it work with, right? But everyone else, Buffalo, Stephon Diggs, he was acquired in a trade. Miami, Tyreek Hill, acquired in a trade. Cincinnati, Jamar Chase, he was drafted. Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, through a trade. Dallas, C.D. Lamb, drafted. Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, he was drafted. And San Francisco, Debo Samuel, he was drafted. So of the eight teams I, I could say right now is in the championship window to win this season, seven of them have a number one wide receiver. Four of them made it uh, happen with the trade. The other three... Uh, with with draft picks. And one of them didn't... They, they trade away their number one wide receiver, Kansas City, but can still make it work because they have Patrick Mahomes, who's the most underrated player in all of football. So my number one on the list is a top-level wide receiver. I think the Bears should follow, follow the model of the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Eagles. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow or Justin Fields is anything like Joe Burrow. But I am saying there is the possibility that Justin Fields could be like Tua Tungavailoa or Jalen Hurts. And if you get him a number one wide receiver that match with this running game, 
I think that's where this offense could take another step. Number two on my list for needs for the Bears in this offseason, an edge rusher, a defensive end edge rusher. The Bears have to get to the quarterback. The inability to get to the quarterback is killing this defense this season. Number three on my list, left tackle. It is important to keep the, the quarterback protected, upright, healthy, playing in football games. If he doesn't play, you saw the mess that was yesterday. You can't go into a season not trying to protect your quarterback. And then I, I'd say you go to defensive tackle, stopping the run game. That's going to be key for this defense also going forward. So, the, so my top three, wide receiver, edge rusher, left tackle. What three, what are your biggest three needs for the Bears in this offseason? We're talking Bears football with you at 312-332-3776. Bob, downtown, what three do you think? Hey, how's it going, Chris? What's so up, I man? agree with you on uh, the D-line, the pass rush. I think D-line's a little bit more important right now just because the defense and the run defense in particular has been so bad. I think they need a pass rusher and a run stuffer a little bit more than they need a wideout right now. Like Cole Komet seems to be coming into his own. I think Chase Claypool can, you know, accumulate some yards as well. I'm still not really sure why they're not using him uh, very much. But, and then I want to go off of what Yurko was saying this afternoon. I think you might disagree with this, but like leadership and a winning attitude, I think is also important. I know it's kind of a hard thing to judge, but like, I don't think you can say that Bill Belichick in New England hasn't, had that kind of intangible winning attitude like he that's part of what has made them so successful you know over the past decade i think but, bob for those who missed what was yurko saying <clears throat> well he was doing the meatball thing i think partly to make oh. Bill be a little bit angry you're calling you're calling uh, yurko a meatball i mean yeah i mean i'd call myself a meatball so it's actually a compliment i think <laughs> uh, i don't really take it as an offense all right but. so so he was going after sylvie during crosstalk Right, yeah, 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 exactly. And so he, he thinks that it's important that if the Bears continue to lose like they are, it's going to hurt the locker room and hurt the team because they're going to build a culture of losers, essentially. Um, <laughs> which is kind of meatballish. But, I mean, I agree with him. I don't think you can really disagree. He played in the league. He understands, like, the culture in a locker room and how important it is. But um, I kind of agree to him to some extent. It's not as important, I think, as, you know, getting a good draft pick, but I do think it's a part of the equation. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Now, now here's the the caveat: your quarterback didn't play yesterday, so I don't think it matters. Right. Yeah. The, I think Fields playing and losing, you'd like to see forward momentum and progress and getting some wins to feel good about himself, build the confidence, and and kind of get things in the right direction. <laughs> When Fields isn't playing, I don't. I don't think any of it matters. I think. I think the players in the locker room even know that they're kind of um, not mailing it in, but they have no chance to win. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No. No. I definitely agree, but I don't think. I think it would have been definitely. It, it would have definitely helped the attitude of the team if they knew that Justin Fields was out. They knew they had a lot of guys hurt, and they still were able to come out with a win in that terrible weather yesterday. Like. There's something to be said with that helping team camaraderie. Yeah. You know, even though, obviously, this is with Sylvie's point this afternoon, a lot of those guys are going to be gone next year. So it's kind of hard to say how much it's going to matter if 
nobody's going to be on the team next year. Uh, I, I, I see both points. Um, I think a lot of guys, thanks for the call, Bob. Appreciate it. A lot of guys are going to be here. Chase Claypool will be here. Donald Mooney will be here. Uh, Brisker and Gordon will be here. Uh, there are there are guys who are going to be here. You'd like to see them uh, get some positive momentum at the end of the season. I, I do think there's connective tissue of getting a strong finish and then building momentum into the offseason and starting off well at the start of next season. I think that's the thing with, with just piling up uh, losing efforts. You're going to have a situation where they have to get off to a good start at the start of next season just to kind of get away from all the losing. And you're, you're limiting the amount of time you have with Justin Fields, his contract. Uh, another year comes off of the contract, right? So, so the amount of time that you have this quarterback on a rookie deal is starting to get smaller and smaller. The time to win is coming up quickly. Uh, so you're going to have to do a lot of work in the offseason. I get it. A lot of players will be gone. Some will be here, and those guys will have to be counted on to participate and to be good and be ready to go the moment uh, the lights are bright and the season starts. Let's be real. Justin Fields has become one of the most watchable players in all of football. The Bears are going to play like 15 national televised games next season. I'm exaggerating. They're going to play in a lot, though. Think about it. Think about all the nationally televised games they played in this season when they're bad. It's only going to increase from this point going forward. So I would imagine opening week, you'll be on national television against Green Bay or Minnesota, and it will be a big-time spot, and we would like to see this team win. I think you can build some momentum towards next season at the end of this season. I think it happens. Tom and O'Clawn, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Tom? Hey, what's up, Lex? So, um, so my three are just like yours, only maybe in a different order. I think offensive tackle is a number one priority because you want him to stay upright and such, especially if you – because – I know he can make the splash plays and everything like that. I still want to see him consistently throw within the pocket. And in order for him to do that, he has to be upright. And in order to do that, he needs good uh, offensive tackle and good good off, uh, good blocking that way. Then I would go with defensive end because, you know, you saw that defense and you've seen the defense the past couple of weeks. They're terrible. And they can't get any pass rush whatsoever. Yeah. So you need that kind of pass rush, and then hopefully having a good pass rush will then help the secondary. And then wide receiver, because with uh, the one thing about wide receiver is you don't have to draft one in the first round. It helps. It would be great to draft that big guy in the first round, but you can also get one later in the second round. So And then later rounds, just like a, just like a Cooper Cup and such. So. Thanks for the call, Tom. Appreciate you. Yep. That's a good call from Tom. And the question is, what are the three needs you want for the Bears this offseason? To Tom's point, I knew someone would bring that up. You can get a wide receiver elsewhere in the draft. Well, that's Ryan Poles about that in the third round this year. How's that working out? Uh, I would say this. I looked it up. You could also get a left tackle in other positions that are not the first round. So you have a first-round draft pick. At the moment, if the season ended today, the Bears would be picking second. Uh, There are positions in the draft where you can get a tackle that's not in the first round. Kansas City, an elite passing attack. Their left tackle, Orlando Brown Jr., was a 2018 third-round pick. 
Uh, Buffalo, Deion Dawkins. Left tackle for the Bills. Elite passing attack. One of the best teams in football. A 2017 second-round pick. Uh, You look at Philly. Their left tackle was a seventh-rounder from 2018. Now, Dallas just selected a left tackle, Tyler Smith, in the first round, 24th pick overall. I, I think the point of pointing this out would be you can have an elite offense without a left tackle that you spend a first-round draft pick on. But it's hard to find that elite offense without a top number one wide receiver. To me, the wide receiver is more important. I go wide receiver, edge rusher, left tackle. Those are my top three needs for the Bears next season. If you want to join the conversation, the phone number is 312-332-3776. What are your top three needs? I'll talk to you next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. This is this is, this is Lecky and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Bears Jets yesterday, the Jets win 31 to 10. The Bears are now 3 and 9. They are the worst team in the NFC. I mean, when you're not even playing your quarterback, you have backups all over the field. Can't expect much from what we saw yesterday from the Chicago Bears. As we look forward, though, it's Bears-Packers week, and I'm asking you, what are the top three needs for this team going forward? There's a lot of holes. Did you watch the game yesterday? There's a lot of parts of this team that are not working. What do the Bears need? For me, I'm going wide receiver, number one. Edge rusher, you got to get to the quarterback, number two. And a left, left tackle, number three. I think I, I could understand someone suggesting a defensive tackle. I also could understand an additional cornerback. So much passing in this league. You have to have very good, talented corners. Uh, you need two, three, four uh, corners out there at all times to kind of go against the offensive firepower that you face from week to week in the NFL. But for me, it's a wide receiver. I would take the blueprint from Miami or Philadelphia, two teams having a lot of success this season with quarterbacks that we had question marks last season with. They went out and got weapons for their quarterback. I think that's what the Bears need to do. I go wide receiver, edge rusher number two, number three left tackle. 312-332-3776. Talking Bears with Black here on ESPN 1000. We go to Chris and Elgin. You're on ESPN 1000. Chris, what are your top three needs? What up, CB? What's up, man? Um, so I went to uh, the game yesterday, actually, and uh, I was talking with a couple Jets fans, and and I was basically asked them, like, what's the biggest difference from last year to this year? And they're like defense because their quarterback situation is just horrible. Sure. And uh, so I was looking at it, and I, I, you really have to mortgage your future for someone like Will Anderson. I, I just I don't see how the Bears don't go after this guy. I mean, he will be the Bears' defensive line. I mean, you start there. Okay, so you're going edge rusher, a linebacker, Will Anderson? Yes, but an edge rusher more than a linebacker. Yeah. And, um, and then, obviously, the wide receiver next. And I think you can get a tackle later in the third or fourth round. Thanks for the call, Chris. Appreciate you. And, and I, I think Chris makes a good point. Uh, right now, if this season ended today, the Bears would be drafting second. Houston would have the number one pick, their record of 1-9-1. One, one. Uh, Houston's going to go quarterback. 
C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever it is, the Texans are taking a quarterback. The Bears are in a situation. They don't have to take a quarterback. So they can either move back, maybe get an additional draft pick. There are a couple teams in the top 10 that need quarterbacks. So how far they need to move or jostle for position to kind of figure it out. Right now, if the season ended today, Detroit would have the third pick. Uh, It's really the Rams selection that was traded uh, to Detroit. So Detroit's at three, Seattle at four, Pittsburgh five, Carolina six. Carolina needs a quarterback. Seattle, long-term, do you need a quarterback? Geno Smith has been great. I would imagine Geno Smith's going to be in the conversation for a Pro Bowl in the NFC this year. So is Seattle going quarterback there? Philly is at seven. They don't need a quarterback. Arizona, eight. They don't need a quarterback. Green Bay doesn't need a quarterback. The Raiders at 10. They may need a quarterback. And then you get back to the Texans at 11, who ideally they'll select a quarterback at one, and they won't have to move off of 11 for that quarterback. So, I mean, the, the Bears will have options. And I know there are a lot of people in this city that were very enthused that the Bears got blown out yesterday. And they're now second in the tankathon rankings. Uh, a lot of people celebrating on Mondays this year. People very amped for the draft, very excited, not interested in current football, but they love future football. So a lot of people in this city very excited that the Bears are now second in the draft order if the season were to end today. Top three needs in this offseason for the Bears. Stan on the east side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Stan? Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? What's up? So I want to go back to your point where you mentioned all these teams that, you know, the model the model of getting a top-tier wide receiver. Sure. All these teams that you mentioned, they have somewhat of a decent offensive line. So I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I feel like the Bears' main focus should be on left tackle. What's the whole point of getting a, a top-tier wide receiver if you can't protect the quarterback, you can't throw the ball? So for me, it's left tackle. Yeah, okay. I mean, the, the easy the easy response to that would be Cincinnati kind of does it without. Yes, yes. That's understandable. But, I mean, Joe Burrow, he took how many hits? You go back oh, to the yeah. Super Bowl. Just go back to the Super Bowl. Sure, like, he, he takes a lot demolished. of hits, right. You know, so so I, for me, it's left tackle. That's number one. Number two, yes, wide receiver. Get a wide receiver. And then number three, edge rusher. The defense is the critical uh, – What's his name? Khalil Mack. Yeah. Robert Quinn. They've been atrocious. Yeah, they have. Um, Can't get to yeah, the quarterback. So, so if you can get if you can get a decent, at least a decent line for for them to like you know like maybe protect Justin Fields. Sure. Get a nice receiver. Give him some time. Some time. Not all day. Some time. Score some points. Because right now, nowadays the NFL is built about offense, scoring points. Who can score more points? Yeah, I'm so with you, me, Sam. It's, it's, it's just offense. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang up and cool. just go ahead and listen to you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Stan. And, and I, I'm with you. It's about scoring points. I think the easiest way to accomplish that is with a number one wide receiver. That's why I disagree with you. I don't think left tackle is the number one end-all, be-all need. I, I think you do need to address it. Uh, but I think good quarterbacks do make lines a little bit better. And I gave you the list. Kansas City, Buffalo, Philly. They got their left tackles not in the first round. They have elite offenses this season. But when you look at the top offenses, everyone except Kansas City has a number one wide receiver. But I feel as if 
Kansas City is an outlier. They have a number one tight end. They have the best quarterback in football. They have three wide receivers you could say are all solid twos. Juju Smith-Schuster, sometimes he plays like a one. He's mainly a two. But when you look at the other teams who are having great years, Minnesota, San Francisco, Dallas, Philly, Cincy, Miami, Buffalo, they all have a number one wide receiver. And the Bears absolutely need to accomplish that in this offseason. Wade in New Carlisle, Indiana, you're on ESPN 1000. Top three needs for the Bears, Wade. What do you have? Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. You know, you know getting a top-tier wide receiver, not only does that take pressure off him, if you get a guy that can create space and get open faster, the line doesn't have to hold as long. And with Fields' ability to move around in the pocket as they started to move the pocket, that leads that need to, for the line to hold as long. So that there alone, what they've been doing with the offense has created that. So I, I agree with the wide receiver. Now the only this, his can polls identify a wide receiver though. That's the question. <laughs> well, he certainly struggled with that in this year's draft, right? And as much as you know, I'm a huge Michigan fan, so adjusting the fields was hard. But I, I like the kid, <laughs> and and I'm rooting for him. And watching the Michigan game this week was great for me. And as much as I hate to say it. I wouldn't mind the Bears going after Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, stud. That kid is unbelievable. Yeah. And I think he could be a future Hall of Famer and look great in a Bears uniform. Yeah, I think he would look good in a Bears uniform. And also, Jackson Smith and Jigba is uh, the wide receiver from Ohio State who's going to be in the top of the board that I think the Bears could have a chance at as well. Thanks for the call, Wade. Appreciate you. 312-332-3776. Top three needs for the Bears. That's what we're talking about as we head into this Bears-Packers week here on ESPN 1000. Chris on 294, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Chris? Hey, how's it going? Um, I, I agree with you. You know, wide receiver has to be number one. Um, I love Quentin Johnson out of uh, TCU. I mean, that guy is a stud. You pair him with Fields, let them grow together. You know, the thing about a number one wide receiver, if they're one-on-one, that means that they're open. Yeah. And so that means when he is in trouble, and he's got him one-on-one on the outside. He could put the ball out there. He'll go up and get it. Um, number two, definitely an offensive tackle. Uh, give me the left tackle. Give him the time to let the uh, routes develop downfield so he's not skittish and moving around in the pocket so much. And then last but not least, the edge rusher. Um, I mean, and I wouldn't mind if they traded that first-round pick um, to a team looking for a quarterback trying to climb up, get their first-round pick, Maybe another first-round pick later on, second-round pick, something like that. Um, and then, you know, address your defensive line, offensive line, you know, through free agency and through uh, the draft. Good call, Chris. Appreciate you. Alan Lamont, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Al? So I've changed my mind after listening to the calls. <laughs> I, 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 I can see why you want a receiver first. I can't disagree. But what I will say is yeah. I actually want an edge rusher first. Okay. Okay, I want a D tackle. Sure. And I want a and I want a, a lockdown corner. I get I can see why everybody wants to receive first. So I can't say no to it, but I want to build up that defense cuz I feel like I feel like I can get a receiver in the second, third, fourth round maybe or trading back and building up picks. My thing with the tackle is I get it, but man, that's a that's a shot in the dark. How many left tackles 
you draft in the top, you know, first or second round that turn out to be bust. That would be the one position that scares me drafting early out of all those positions. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a good point, Al. Thanks for the phone call. It, it's like when you have a pick that high and we're going to go through this whole tank out the rest of the season, I know there's a lot of you out there that are very amped for this, just losing football games. It's your favorite thing in the world. I'm being sarcastic, but it, it's how it feels sometimes. It's like sometimes you got to win a football game for the team. you got to win. You want to see fields progress. Uh, but when you have a pick that's number two, if that's how it ends, if the Bears get the second overall pick, you're not. You're assuming, as long as you're not the Detroit Lions, that you're not going to be back in that situation again anytime soon. So you don't want to blow it. And I feel as if at the caliber of players that are wide receivers, that might be your safest bet, whether it be Johnson from TCU, Jordan Addison from USC, and Jigba, from uh, Ohio State, there are guys who people who um, cover college football in the draft all season long have been pointing to guys who could be top 10 players. Where it feels like with line play, unless there's a guy that you know hands down will be a top five pick, it feels a little flimsy at times that there are guys who are there available at the top of the board and whether or not there's bust potential there. I, I don't know. I feel like they've gotten a lot out of the line that they have. So I feel like you don't have to necessarily put the draft resources into that at the very top. Do you need to draft someone in the second or the third round? Yes. Do you need to use your first round pick on it? I don't know if I would go that way. I think I would go wide receiver. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. More of your phone calls coming up. We're talking Bears football and also... The song of the night coming up next. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. When you're at home, don't miss Black and Abdallah. I got stories that'll raise the hair in your head. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Rather looking forward to it. Black and Abdallah. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Abdallah, Abdallah's off today. We'll be back tomorrow. Hanging out with you until 8 o'clock, talking Bears football with you at 312-332-3776. I don't really have an opinion on what I saw yesterday. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a talk show radio host. You're supposed to have an opinion on everything, but when the backup quarterback is out there and in warm-ups he gets hurt, and then you might have to throw in there Nate Peterman, and then at, right before the game starts, they're like, oh, actually, no, 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 hold up. We're actually going to go with the backup who hurt himself in warm-ups, but we're going to give it a go. Like, what, what what impression am I supposed to take from the game? What what take, what, what theory, what thought am I supposed to take from, you know, there's not really a whole lot here. And, of course, the defense looked bad. The offense has nothing without fields. We'll find out on Wednesday whether or not Justin Fields will be able to go against the Green Bay Packers. It's Packer week. It's a good week to talk football. And that's why I'm asking the question, this offseason for the Bears, right now you're not playing for anything. You're 3-9. and nine, You're last in the conference. Let that sink in. 
Last in the conference, three and nine, one and six on the road. What are the top three needs for you for this Bears team in the offseason? I'm going wide receiver, number one, edge rusher, number two, and I think a left tackle, number three. Although I've heard some uh, intriguing cases to possibly, instead of left tackle being my number three, maybe going defensive tackle as my number three. I feel better about the line than I think a lot of people do. I think with the quarterback, protecting him has more to do with the run game and the amount of times you use him to run than him being just straight up killed because he's back there trying to pass the football. He's a tough guy, too. I I get it. We have to protect him, absolutely. But the defense needs to be better. My number one, though, wide receiver. Number two, I go edge rusher. Number three, left tackle. If you want to join the conversation, you can call me at 312-332-3776. We're talking Bears here on ESPN 1000. Each night around 6.50, we play for you the song of the night. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's, there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Exp- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's song of the night. Yo, later. Tonight's song. We go to Rage Against the Machine. Maria, 1999. That's right, November 28th, 1999. This album, The Battle of Los Angeles, hit number one on the U.S. album charts. The album was released November 2nd, so it took almost a month for it to hit number one. It was the second album that the band released that hit number one on the charts. But yeah, so we're going with a deep cut because this is also the sixth time we have played a Rage Against the Machine song here on the Song of the Night. So we're going a little deep. Not necessarily one you'd hear on the radio from the Battle of Los Angeles. Singles of Testify, Gorilla Radio, Calm Like a Bomb, Mic Check, Sleep Now in the Fire. Maria is now the eighth uh, track off the album. An all-time great album, Battle of Los Angeles. So shout out to Tom Morello, guitarist, 
from Libertyville. That's right. Braids Against the Machine, Maria. It's your song of the night here on Blocking Up Doll. Enjoy. And don't touch that dial because it's time for what dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an. Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's song of the night. Yo, Larry. So that's now the sixth song that's been on uh, featured on Song of the Night. Uh, You may ask, what are the other five songs? Well, uh, the Black and Abdallah research team, aka Abdallah, sitting at home, homesick today. uh, He said that we've had People of the Sun, Sleep Now in the Fire, Bulls on Parade. Wake Up and Testify. And now, Maria, those are the songs from Rage on the Song of the Night. Black and Abdallah here talking Bears football with you. Coming back in two minutes. You are listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.